So we're going to turn it back over and this is going to be the beginning of our list along. Obviously. Right. Hey, hey. I can't fucking believe you're here. You hear me? Thank you so much, Mr. McMahon. Vince. I'm Vince. Okay, good. I was wondering what I should call you. Yeah. Okay, I just want to show the respect. I understand when you're off camera, you're calling me a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard them, but. No, no, not me. Many others. And I think a lot of those people are tuning in today to hear a conversation from you live because I've gotten a chance to chat with you off air. And I've been very lucky to ask you questions and you give me actual advice. And whenever you were the one that decided you wanted to be here in person, I took a lot of honor in that. And I appreciate the hell out of you being here. We This is big for our show. Thank so you. we thank you. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Fucking Vince is here. Now let's get into it, boss. Um, Just the mere mention of your name, everybody on earth knows. Okay, and what we have here in like 30 days is basically the yearly global standard for live events. Okay, WrestleMania, Wrestle. Mania, especially this year's WrestleMania, creation of yours, obviously, but this year's WrestleMania, the most stupendous two-night affair. Whenever you were a kid, a tiny kid, did you know you were going to be doing like this type of thing? Did you know you were going to be doing business? Were you like an like a businessman as a kid, an asshole as a kid? Like, what were you as a kid, and is this all expected from you? Um, well, I don't believe in ceilings, and um, did I ever believe I would be here? No, but I did not believe it. Got it. Mm. So um, I I don't think that way. I don't think ceilings. I don't think uh, milestones. You know, like I, I don't think pats on the back. I just think about doing, enjoying what you're doing, and doing it, and building it. And is that why you feel like whenever you make a decision, you never back off it? For instance, like WWE Network, when you started that, the mm. subscription service, years ago, you were killed, right? I mean, yeah. everybody, your fans, mm. fans allowed, obviously, all the time in the wrestling sure. business, the world you created. Media alike, why is this? They're doing this. You're going to cut down your audience. Now everybody on earth wants to be a part of the subscription service. Right. Why did you not back off of that? And there's many other decisions you've made that you've gotten killed for. Do you think it's because you're just a, a let's go do this thing type guy? Or why do you think it no, is? No, no. At all. Um, I think everything we do is calculated. You need to have some really smart people around you. You need to listen to them and make your decision. But in that instance, it really we had a great deal uh, that was that was given to us pretty much by Comcast. But when you got into the lawyer stuff and any gritty of it, they tried to tie your hands into in so much creativity, tie your hands in terms of owning you. Moreover, and I've I've never liked that. (laughs) So really, it was more about creative control and having control of your own destiny. So that's why we went that way. So I'll just create my own network. How you doing? Keep it moving. I happen to own this show as well. I respect you. And obviously, you're a person that I look to as a trailblazer in this world. Because before you, I assume there was some people that were, had success in the world of wrestling. But what you've been able to do with it, I don't think anybody else on earth would have been able to do it. Do you hear the news or do you hear the noise whenever people say, like, this wrestling thing is much better because of you? And do you hear the noise that, hey, this wrestling thing because of you has turned into what it wasn't originally like do you hear that shit or do you try to stay out of all of that i stay out of all of it really yeah i mean i think um you know again i'm not big on the pats on the back it really screws with your mind you know you're somebody i'm just who i am you know um and i you know all the if you listen to the positives and you have to listen to the negatives i'm not big on negatives at all 
you know, a negative is a, no matter what it is, is a double negative. Because if you're dealing with this negative, that means you're not dealing with a positive in which you put your, you know, your, your, your intellectual cost and that positive, not the negative. So I try and stay away from negatives as much as possible. And, um, you know, members of the media, you know, or they're going to say what they're going to say, you know, um, and there's nothing you can do to change it, really. Because you spend all your time saying, no, no, I'm not done. Hey, he's on the mic, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's a special I get my hands going. <laughs> nah, nah, it's hey, feel free to do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, yeah. Generally, anything that's in my way, I'm knocking down. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, a lot of so, people have a lot of questions about that as well. So, in any event, you know, you're dealing with a negative, and it's like, if people think you're an asshole, you, know, you can't change that. No, no, no. I'm not really an asshole. I'm really a nice guy. I'm this. Yeah, you're an asshole. No, but really, you know, I'm a good guy. I love my family. You're an asshole. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter what you, you can't change perception generally when people, when you're a public persona type thing, you can't. You know, so well, especially you, by the way. Don't bother. You know, so it, it doesn't bother me. I really used to care about people like what they thought of me. I care about what the general public thinks of me in general, as far as the business is concerned, you know, um, it's just that if people think I'm an asshole, then congratulations, I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> At what point did you make that decision that you didn't care what people thought about you? Because, by the way, your stamina in this thing is unbelievable. It, it took a while. Um, I think um, and when you're first starting out uh, and you're giving it everything you possibly can and doing it for all the right reasons and people start knocking you, calling you something that you're not and whatever, it, it, it bothers you at first. And you try and correct it. But then you realize, this is not going to work. I'm spending a lot of time trying to correct this you know, poor image of me. Mm. And, and, I'm, and I'm spending time over here and things I can do from a positive standpoint. So you really do have to give it up. And I don't mean just a little bit. You really just can't care you know, what me members of the media or people that don't understand you or people have an opinion of you no matter what. You just can't care. You have to enjoy the fact, though, that so many people care about the universe that you created, right? I mean, you're, obviously, your dad was in the business, right. but it was not the WWE universe. And let's... Right. I, actually, this is a question I think a lot of people would like to know because it is, you know, wrestling is involved in the name. WrestleMania is happening here in, like, 30 days. And I think the evolution of wrestling into what it has become, mostly because of all because of what you have done with this thing that was once a carny spectacle, regional, now it's a global sensation. And also bringing, you know, people together. I yeah. think that would never, ever relate, I think. The evolution, is that why you don't like the word wrestling to be described as what you do because you feel like it's a lot different? Or what is it, you think? No, uh, there's always been wrestling. And um, I wanted to separate us from everybody else. You know, and my dad uh, was a part of the, well, he was part of the NWA, but he had his own branding. It was Worldwide Wrestling Federation many, many years ago. And I thought that was brilliant. I thought, you know, wow, okay, you're, you're making yourself different from everyone else. And at the time when I bought my dad's business, uh, he had never sold it to me if he knew what I was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, a lot of old school wrestling people, right, think like that? So, in any event, it's like... Um, you know, separate yourself, you know, and be who you want to be, and especially the brand. It's like, it's WWE, it was WWF, which is another story. Um, hey, that panda got you. 
Well, it depends on goddess to a certain extent. Because of World Wildlife Fund, which I, I didn't even know existed. Well, <laughs> we learned about it through you, I think. Like the whole world did, by the way. Shout and, out to uh, that panda. Anyway, wow, he didn't know about that. A no-win lawsuit for me because of, uh, you know, you're being tried in England where they wear the wigs and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't fit in that environment. <laughs> so I just said, okay, we'll change it. So, uh, and it was pretty easy to do because it was like, hmm, I'm going to change it. Uh, it took about 30 minutes at the most. I know what I'll do. I'll get the F out. So we did. How is, is that your creative process? Because the Comcast deal that almost happened, right? They had a little bit of creative control and you wanted the creative control because are you just, have you always been just a super creative human being? I mean, you're putting on two shows a week on TV now for like 30 years, 40 years at this point. The amount of shows and ideas you've had to create, not all of them have been great. I think everybody would recognize that. But there has been some brilliant and incredible moments through like four different decades at this point. Have you always been super creative? Like how did, how did this all come to be, you think? Um, well, we have a lot of creative people around us. Yeah, know? but and, you, everybody and knows. And it's a team, you know, and we have a great team and uh, great executives and, and what have you. We're on the precipice now of really, really taking off, you know, in the business world. And um, so that's where I look at it. We're at another plateau and a platform. But creatively, um, again, you have a, you, I listen well. And I think that's important because you can't learn if you're talking. I can sometimes, but <laughs> I know I have the unique ability to be you right now listening to me and knowing whether or not you're buying my shit. Oh, yeah, and reading, good I'm, read. I'm listening to you, moreover, listen to me. Body language. Yeah. Yeah, eyes. Body language and even the way you're thinking, you know. Hey, everybody listens to you when you talk, dude. You're fucking Vince McMahon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you don't like that. I know you don't, don't enjoy, enjoy people, people saying, saying that. And you don't like pats on the back. You literally just right. said it. And it's a long withstanding thing that in the Hall of Fame speeches, like, hey, don't thank Vince McMahon. Even though, by the way, you probably created the concept that is going into the Hall of Fame and took over and everything like that. You hate that type of shit. With that being said, that is what I like to talk about, that type of stuff. You're an absolute legend. And it, I think we have some news to break, too. Do we not about Hall of Fame? Do you want to do that right now? Yep. Undertaker, of course, is going to be in the Hall of Fame. And I'm going to have the distinction of uh, inducting him into the Hall of Fame. Let's wow. go! Hey, that's a big deal, right? This is a massive deal. You've only done this, I think, for Stone yeah, Cold. This will be one of the most difficult things I have ever done in my life. How come? Because I, I like the guy. I love, I love the guy. No, just like I love the guy. We've known each other for so many years. You've been through all kinds of situations, you know, some that glad we didn't make the newspapers and so forth, you know. But I mean, you know, when you live on the road like that, you know, you have your family at home. When you live on the road, man, you have to have a family on the road. And you have to have people you can count on, rely on, that are loyal and what have you, and trustworthy. And not have to look over your shoulder. And he's that kind of guy. He's an extraordinary human being, as well as one of the premier, one of the all-time greats in the ring. But it's the human being. I could talk about the character, and it won't bother me at all. But in my mind, I'm thinking, when I'm up there going to inducting him, I'm thinking about, I know who he is. Yeah, more. You know, and that's tough when you know someone that's that close and you care about them so so much. Well, that's going to be one of the most difficult things I've ever done. Well, I want to let you know, I think a lot of people are probably very surprised to see. You got choked up there at the beginning, man. I hey. didn't. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I did not. Yeah, you did. That just happened right here. We got on camera. Yeah, this show, camera. Dude, this, this show, show got the... Hey, shut up. Shut up. You got choked up, up there. But that, the relationship with Undertaker, you said the loyalty, and this has been documented. You can hear it in his voice. You know, I like watching all the behind-the-scenes stuff. I've obviously been a fan since I was a kid. A lot of what wrestling that I watch as a teenager and growing up created the person that I am. But the Undertaker loyalty, 
through the the Monday Night Wars, right. right? This is where I feel like you and Take probably came closest because his character, massive. He was able to do whatever, whenever at that point. If he wanted to jump ship, would have been a turn, massive turn. That would have been a huge swing, but he stuck by your side. I got a chance to chat with him a couple different times. Incredibly nice to me. When you're in the middle of those wars, okay, do you, when you look back on the WCW Turner War like that, did it change you, like, creatively, as a human, when you're in that moment? Because everybody says Vince McMahon, when there's competition, is at his absolute best. Mm -hmm. So now there's there was TNA that came and went. Impact is kind of back. Now AEW is the big one. They just bought Ring of Honor, I believe, last night in there. So, like, when everybody says competition makes Vince McMahon better, what do you think that means? And, and, and do, you do you believe, believe that, that looking, looking back, back on, the, on the, those, those two, two like, like, very, very similar, similar feeling, feeling situations? Well, oh, shit, here we go. I'm probably one of the few people in the world who enjoys confrontation. So. <laughs> <laughs> like you enjoy it. I, I enjoy confrontation. I mean, it, it's one of the things that really, you know, revs you up. It's one of the things that really puts you on your toes. It's one of the things in terms of, okay, what am I going to do here in that split second? I enjoy confrontation, so physical confrontation. I enjoy that, you know? Yeah. Um, so with a background like that, you know, and a further background when I was a kid, it was like, hey, we don't want to hear a, another bad kid story or something like that. But my philosophy... Uh, we do, by the way. Well, no, I'm not going to tell you that. But what I will tell you <laughs> this is that uh, okay. I learned um, a long time when I was a kid that if I live through that beating, I win. So if you live through the beating and you won, what can you do to me? Mm. You know, so in terms of competition, in terms of that confrontation, I'm not afraid of it. I, I relish it. You know. And by the way, getting back to The Undertaker... Undertaker and I never had a conversation about him going to WCW. Not one. I never asked him. He never said anything about it. Not one. Well, see, that is, I think, why all the documentaries and why you're inducting him is going to be so special because you two just have a, a great relationship. And I think you hinted on something that probably not a lot of people have ever heard of, including myself. Sorry to hear you went through that, but that mental toughness, you think you had that as a, you think the mental toughness is potentially what makes you and separates you from everybody else? I don't know. There are a lot of things that, you know, I'm just wired differently than most people. That's all. And that's probably one thing. But, you know, I think heredity plays a part in it. You know, um, you know it's, you're just who you are. And you, you accept that and you know what your weaknesses are, you know, and your strengths are. And you use them in, in the best appropriate way you can. So whenever you are a kid grinding through, you know, growing up, visualizing things, you always wanted money. So when I was a kid, I looked up at the hill, okay, and there was rap videos, and there was Escalades on 24s, right. and there was like these big houses up on the hill. And I'm like, Did you always want money? <laughs> and then I want that Escalade on 24s right there. The day I was drafted, I bought a Cadillac Escalade and put 24s on it. I didn't get my signing bonus for three months. That Cadillac Escalade on 24s almost got repoed immediately, and I had to show a news thing. But when you were a kid, you always had dreams of being incredibly wealthy? Uh, no. Just no. successful? Nothing like that? What was um, I just wanted to be everything I could be. Um, I, I grew up in an eight-foot-wide trailer in a trailer park, you know, and uh, which was great. I didn't know any different. It was, it was awesome, yeah. which was a step up from where I lived before with no running water. But nonetheless, <laughs> um, it's not one of those things whereby – you know, I'm one day I'm going to have a ton of money and that sort of stuff. You want to be successful, you know there's a better life than where you are right there. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely, so you want to reach beyond that, you know, for sure. Um, but it's not, um, 
I mean, you hear people bullshit and say they would do what they would do without, you know, without the money. You know, I would. I know it would. But, uh, and, you know, I don't know what's in the bank. I don't care. There's no difference it's between a lot. me and hey. you. Know, the number of zeros hey, on the end lot. of what you... <laughs> you got a lot in there. Yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> I've seen it on the internet. Congratulations, by the yeah. Eight-foot trailer? <laughs> Eight-foot trailer? To all those zeros, dude? Anyways, get back to what you're saying. It's, it's, it's not about, about that, right? For you, you know, I mean, I think there was a period of time when, um, after, well, probably WrestleMania four or five, I thought I was somebody, you know, and had an ego that way. Not that I don't have an ego, but but have an ego that way in terms of, yeah. And then it was like mm, that lasted for about six months, and it's like that's you're just like everybody else. You put your pants on the same way, you know. You happen to be very very fortunate because. You're doing what you love to do. And the odds of me sitting in here, you know, and even being alive are astronomical, <laughs> if you knew my background. I mean, astronomical. How come just one thing, we don't have to dive into all of them, but what do, what do you mean by whenever you say that? Like, for instance, I booze like five to six times a week for like four to five years while I got into the NFL. Probably took a lot of years off my life. That is something I'm projecting. Are you saying that you're, because you, you are 76 years old at this point, you've been on... Well, this is what other people said. The internet said this. Yeah. The internet said this. The internet said you're 76 years old and you're still doing it. You're still working though. Like at this point, what do you mean? Like you shouldn't even be alive. You're, you're talking. Well, I'm, I'm not working though. Oh, because this is life. You think, you think this is work, guys? <laughs> none of this is work. When I none of what I do is work. I love it. I love the people I do business with. You know, and uh, in the organization and out. You know, uh, it's not work at all. None of it is. You know, it's one of the reasons probably I can put in so many hours or whatever it is because it's not work. So whenever you think about the future, because a lot of people on the Internet, they say uh, with some of the moves that get made. Now, listen, I'm in the I was in the NFL where I have lunch with a dude. OK, I go into my meeting. I can I never see that guy again. That guy was cut. He's gone. This is the NFL. There's only a certain amount of spots. With you, whenever you have to make those decisions to move forward, people always assume that you just have no heart and you do not care at all about any of these people. Then there's podcasts that happen. Each one of those decisions that you make, whether it's to release somebody or, by the way, push somebody or keep somebody, how much weight, like, are any of those decisions like super more difficult than others or is it just always like what will make the best show in your eyes? Like, is I'm that always concerned about what's best for the audience, always. What does the audience want? And if you have dead weight around you, we had situations whereby someone's not cutting it, where maybe, and you have an opportunity for someone else to come in, it's like, okay, that's probably the best thing. It was one of the reasons why, you know, with uh, Hogan and a lot of those guys who left me at one time, and you know why I brought them back. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, I'll never bring that son of a bitch back again as long as I live. <laughs> it's like, you know, when you say stuff like that, you know, you're you're really hurting yourself because you're not thinking about your audience, you're not, you're not thinking about your product. And it's not about you and your ego, it's like, yeah, okay, maybe I really felt that way, maybe I didn't, but nonetheless, it, it doesn't matter. What's the best thing for business? If the audience wants Hulk Hogan back, you bring him back, if he has value that way. Well, there's a lot of very famous like disagreements that you've gotten through. Is that a business mindset, you think, to bring people back? Is it a personal mindset, no, or is no, it just- It's not personal, it, it, it's, it's business. And once I took the uh, company public, it helped me be a better businessman because prior to that, I was running the business mostly with my head, but mostly with my heart as well. And you, these decisions are so damn tough when you do that. 
you know, um, because, you know, who it is, you know, his kids or this and that and the other, or somebody has cancer in the family or whatever it is, and all that computes in your head, you know, when you're a, a, but once you're a public company, now, you know, you owe stockholders. You owe the business. That's right. It is the business then. So it helps me make uh, easier business and better business decisions because my heart there's still some of it in there, you know, but uh, <laughs> I, know, I know it sounds all of it. There is, you know, uh, but at the same time, it's business. And there's nothing personal about it in terms of whether I like somebody or I don't like someone or whatever. And you know, again, sometimes, um, you know, athletes, maybe more so in our in our type of business, when, when they're not given the opportunity, or even if they are, and it doesn't work, that people from all walks of life, seldom look in the mirror and say, Coaches you know what, I was the guy who fucked up. It, it was on me. You know, instead, everybody has a million excuses as to why things didn't work. And generally speaking, the heat has to go someplace, the old blame game. <laughs> and, and I'm the bad guy. So, I, you know, that's part of the job. Yeah, you're okay with being the bad guy for the business. And I assume that helped for the business to make those decisions. But, yeah, in our world, it's always the coach's fault, man. It's the coach's fault. The coach, the coach fucked me, hated me. I mean, that's an entire thing. That's our world. And you do take a lot of heat for all that type of stuff. But none of the great ideas... Like, you don't get any of the credit for any of the great ideas or the great characters that everybody beloves. And the people, by the way, that they're actually upset that are leaving WWE, you're probably the one that, you know, maybe thought of the idea or decided how to get that idea going, or you're a part of it. I understand right. it's an entire team thing. Do you have a favorite WWE moment or favorite WWE run or program or anything like that? Well, I always Ooh. like to say, like many other, those, many other people do, is just like, okay, it's going to be the next big moment will be my favorite, you know? Uh, but I think WrestleMania won... Uh, was important to me because it was like that. I, I had I had hocked everything I had, you know. And oh, you went all in. Oh, yeah. I didn't have any money, you know. Even when I was competing with these other guys, it's like I I had a really, really, really strong work ethic, and with the work ethic, I had some degree of creativity, uh, and you know, and balls by the ton, and uh, and you just go do it, you know. And so that's kind of the way I operate, and and these other guys had. Were, were millionaires. I was nothing. I had nothing but cash flow. I bought the business, you know, what we call mirrors from my dad. And I didn't really have the money that I said I had. You know, <laughs> promoting baby, we're promoting out there, baby. It was like a balloon payment thing they used to call it, where here's so much down, and I don't have the rest of it. But here's so much down, and over the course of a year, there are installments. If you don't make any of those installments, then they keep the money that you gave them and have the business back. So that was over a course of a year. And uh, every installment was, oh, my God, this is great. We got this kid's money, and we got the business. And until the last one, and it was like, hmm, what's huh. happened here? <laughs> <laughs> this son of a bitch made it work somehow. Uh, that You hedging your future on everything going competing on. competing with other, the other guys, you know, I mean, they're millionaires. I, I really didn't have anything. It was ca all cash flow. So if I were to go into St. Louis or something like that, which was a NWA territory and not part of my dad's northeast type territory it was all broken up in the united states and all over the world for that matter but um you know and you're going to other people's territories it's like mm, you don't do that you, yeah you the business is real that that's like a real thing right because i i see on young rock there's a young rock <laughs> you're you're part of young rock the guy who did you see the person who plays you on young rock no <laughs> young rock will you ever Will I ever see the person that plays you on Young Rock? I'm gonna doubt it, but no. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a young Vince McMahon calling to Hawaii, trying to negotiate for some wrestlers for your territory where right. you're a young upstart. Right. That wrestling territory game was super serious, right? I mean, that was like there was like some real that was strict business, right? I, I, it was. I don't know. 
how many different rivers are supposed to be at the bottom of, you know. <laughs> you know, death threats are what they are, you know, and it's like, I always felt like if you could knock off a president of the United States, then I'm easy to get to. Yeah. You know, never had a bodyguard down that stuff. And, uh, and, and those days, it was like when you, from their standpoint, invaded their territory. Uh, it was like, well, okay, Dems is not just fighting words. It's like there's so many, so many times when people threatened me, uh, and it was like I, the last guy I said, like, you better get if you want to take credit for it, you better get me quick. <laughs> <laughs> so many, you know. There's a story that uh, Jim Ross was telling me one day, and he was with Bill Watts and some of the other old NWA guys, and uh, and they're having this conference because there's a whole bunch of them. What are we gonna do about this kid? You know, just invading everything. You know, got to do something about him. And uh, so, you know, they couldn't order lunch together. I knew that. I mean, they couldn't do that even t together. But nonetheless. What do you mean? Too dumb, not broke, too broke? Um, no, just egos and so forth. Oh, they, they didn't like each other either. No. So they hated you. That was like you were the enemy of all their enemies. Yeah, I was a jail. So they're yeah, meeting in terms true. of what, what can they possibly do. So now Jim is not a part of the meeting, you know, so, but Jim is now in the men's room. And uh, he's in the men's room in the stall taking care of business. And walks four of these pro most prominent uh, uh, promoters, and they're talking about how they're going to off me. And this guy knows this guy. I know I can do this. And I, this guy did this. It was really impressive. And they all know people, so they're all talking about who's going to off me. So now imagine Jim Ross. Bucko! Bucko kill Vince McMahon! <laughs> he's thinking he's not doesn't give a shit about Vince McMahon. <laughs> he's thinking about himself. I was thinking about it. So he's on the throne. And it's what like, the fuck? He hears this. He's like, oh, no. I'm going to be accessory to murder. So he takes one foot and puts it on the seat. Takes the other one <laughs> puts it on the seat. So now they can't see his feet, you know, below the stall. And, of course, Mother Nature is calling at the same time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's got so, those cowboy boots up in the squatty potty position. <laughs> oh. So now that was finally he waited for them to finish off. Uh, you know, okay, who was going to kill me and all that kind of crap, but uh, that's just one of the things. Yeah, that's just one of the, yeah, that's just another day of Vince McMahon. Well, I, really, I mean, what are you going to do? So he, he told me about it like five years after he came to work for me. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't working for me then, naturally. Yeah, he was Jim, working. You, you could have called, told me earlier. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's waiting for you to hire him, give him a little bit of money down, or get a little coin, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, you, whenever you say you enjoy confrontation, mm -hmm. and I would assume... Not enjoy, but you don't. You're not scared away from. It. You probably do enjoy it, but that also has probably led you into situations that many other people probably wouldn't. Business wise, like, hey, don't know how this is going to go. For instance, you doing a show in Saudi Arabia, okay? This was before I, you were the first person I think that went over there and almost like offered a, hey, let's go ahead and maybe try to bring the world together a little bit. Was that because you heard there were big fans? And when you go into a meeting like that. How, what the fuck do you, your eight foot trailer is where you grew up at. Now you're doing meetings with royalty mm -hmm. in Saudi Arabia. Like, how do you even prepare for that? What do you expect for that? And since that relationship has started, have you seen like their country develop more and maybe get a little bit more lenient, which is good for the entire world, I think, right? Well, Saudis are no different than any other people. You know, WB fans all over the world. No, so it doesn't How'd you matter. know? They were just watching on the internet, or how'd you find out that it was... Uh, actually, well, I've known for years. We've, we've had a presence over there for years. Uh, and Saudi, everywhere, no, there's no place on the globe that we don't have a presence. So, 
Saudi fans are, you know, really, really enthusiastic like they are everywhere else. So it was an opportunity to play before the, before the audience. Like no different than people love Western culture all over the world. They don't love our government, but they love Western culture. Hey, nobody loves and, government. And our, you know, our form of entertainment with WB kind of fits into everything. It's larger than life. It's like, you know, everything imaginable that you could ever, like, oh, my God, the spectacle of it, you know. So it fits in everywhere. Um, and we translate it in, I don't know, 40 languages or something like that. But even if there's just English, you get it. You understand. So um, we've always been, you know, popular everywhere. Saudi is no different. And, again, people are people. It's, you know, you, you know, and cultures are cultures, and you have to respect that. Just because we as Americans, this is the way we should do, this is the way the whole world should be like us. We know the way, and any other way is just not the right way. Come on, culture's been around thousands of years. Oh, well, hey. Long before, long yeah. before us. Yeah, it depends which uh, book you read. There's millions of years, potentially. But like that is, that's a very real thing. And you like, situations are situational is something I say all the time because it's very real. Everything is its own individual battle. With everything you have going on, whether it's negotiations and deals with Saudi Arabia and their culture, and then you have 40 different languages, I think you just said, how do you have the time to do everything? Like, I, I, do you have, you wake up 3 a.m., golf, what is Mark Wahlberg's schedule? Mark, this is what Mark Wahlberg says, just so, to preface your answer. Three o'clock, you woke up, played nine holes, yep. read the whole Bible, uh -huh. snack, snack, snack time. kid time, yep. shower for 45 minutes, That's right. drop the kids off at school, work, work out again, do that entire thing. Do you have a every single day is the exact same thing like all the billionaires seem to have? <laughs> I'm not like all the billionaires. I'm not like anybody else in the world. I'm be, I, I probably, finish training, probably finish training around 3 a.m. Every day. Pretty much. What time do you start? Oh, on a good day, like 1.30. I, 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 maybe a little bit more than that. Depends on how much time I can actually spend in the gym because it, I, you know, it's almost like I have, I have to force myself to get out. And I've always overtrained, which is not good for you. It's just that I, it's my only socially acceptable outlet for aggression. <laughs> you know, oh. Yeah. And then you can't pick some of them up. You know, they weigh too much. <laughs> the hell, I can't. And they, okay, well, you do the best you can. But always a meathead. What's that? Always super meathead. Like no, no, no. Got no, into it. No, just got into it. It's I do this for my head more than I do my body. It's good for you. You know, I love that. I take care of me as best I possibly can, and try to eat the right things and all of that. But um, it it really helps me more mentally and psychologically and. So that I can handle the workload and handle all the stuff that comes my way, you know, a lot of it's emotional, you know, because you're doing business with people, you know, I mean, people are people, you know, and they all have problems, and they all have ambitions, and they all have this, and dealing with all of that can be a little challenging sometimes, but you know, it helps me deal with that. And whatever the business problems come, you know, they're, you know, people get hit by a bus every day. How do you deal with it? Well, it depends how big the bus is. <laughs> ever a day you doubted anything was going to happen in the whole run? Like if the bus was too big? Was there ever a day where you've doubted yourself or doubted the business or the company? Um, I don't think there's ever a day that I doubted what I wanted to do. I mean, you always wonder whether or not it's the right decision. Um, and then you learn from that decision, and whether it was good or bad. It was really, really successful. Great. Okay, I'm about to try that again in some other form. And how did you make that happen? You know, Learn from your decisions, guys. You know? And um, so I, I, don't, I don't really have a down day. 
that's amazing to hear. And I think you've been able to evolve, and WWE's been able to evolve. The network being the subscription service before every other subscription service tried to become a subscription service. And all the subscription services that are trying to become subscription services now, we're taking shots at you for starting your subscription services. But whenever you're talking about all those different decisions that you make, right? Well, it all comes down to common sense. It really does. Every decision? Pretty much. You need, you need information as much as you possibly can. Uh, and then common sense is a really, really big part of that in, in every decision we make. Any decision that you look back on that was like, ah, oh, that was one that shouldn't have fucking done that one. Like, is there any of those that you look back on where you go no, through it? Because if... Oh, you so, don't like negatives, by the way. Why would we even think well, about exactly. it? Exactly. That's, yeah, yeah. that's but, 50 but, minutes ago. What am I even doing? You literally just well, said... Well, you it. learn from what, you know, what happened uh, that didn't go well, and that's factored into what you're doing going forward. So... But no, you don't draw. I don't draw any of that. The ability to evolve, though, with the subscription service before everybody else, with the digital platforms and attacking YouTube, which was before everybody else, and you have the biggest YouTube presence in your social media, and just kind of evolving has always been something that you do. Excited to see what you do with the metaverse, by the way. I think we're all very excited. Sure. Somebody came on, I forget who it was. Might have been Bischoff, might have been somebody that said, if Elon Musk is going to colonize Mars, or it was Paul Heyman, the wise man, Paul Heyman, who grew up in the wrestling business as well. He said if Elon Musk is going to colonize Mars, Vince McMahon is going to get the promotional rights up there and he's yeah. going to put on an event up there. What is next? I'm not saying a show on Mars is next, even though it fucking might be with you. I have no idea. <laughs> but what is, do you, do you think about the future? How far in the future can you think? Obviously, WrestleMania. The most stupendous WrestleMania in the history of WrestleManias is happening in like 30 days. But when you, are, are like, I love branding. We almost we try to brand everything and marketing and all that. It's just fascinating to do that. So you have to do what makes this WrestleMania different. So the word stupendous is not used very often. So when you're hitting stupendous, it's like stupendous. What the hell is stupendous? Mm. You know, a lot of people have to look it up. You know, and but it sounds good. It sounds grand, like stupendous. Wow, what the hell is stupendous? <laughs> you know? But it's all you know. I would use that word before, and it's not an everyday speak. Stupendous is not an everyday speak, so that's why you want to do something to get everyone's attention, you know. And then, oh, okay, what's stupendous in WrestleMania, et cetera. So it's things like that. Yeah, so whenever you think of stupendous, how long does that take for you there? How, how long is that branding? Are you walking around your office that has that, that goddamn dinosaur head behind you? Are you walking around that office? Are you in a suit? Are you doing the billionaire strut around the office? Why are you thinking that? How long is this stupendous branding? Oh, my God. I mean, WrestleMania 38, here we are. Congratulations, by the way. That was before you were born, but that's great. Yeah, but that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Wow. Like, at what point, how long is it, make, like, that decision is thought of, and it's like, boom, we're going with it. I have 2,000 other things I have to do mm -hmm. as well. Well, I think when you're creative, um, and some people think it's a burnout factor, it's not really, because if you're concentrating on one thing at the moment, which is difficult for me to do, but, uh, and, me too. and you, all your creative skills are pouring in, and something else comes this way that's also creative, it's a great relief because hang on and you deal with this and then when you come back you'll think differently generally speaking or what you just learned from that so it's it's a big creative wheel all the time that's going that's on. so I'm, true so you're so thinking so of ideas, ideas planting seeds in your head for something going forward that, that's kind of what i do by the way like and i don't want to ever compare our brains because unless i'm doing something you would want my brain yeah <laughs> <laughs> no Yes, I'm fucking. What are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, you wouldn't want my. Hey, you wouldn't want my brain. How about that? 
How about that? You wouldn't want my brain. That's the whole thing. But whatever you're... <laughs> probably, yeah, that is... That is true. I don't even know why I put why that put in, in there. there. But <laughs> you're thinking about stuff just constantly. It's just how you're wired, you think? So, like, whenever something comes up in the future, it's like, oh, I had already thought about this at one point when I was maybe, I don't know, Billy strutting around the office or in the workout or in the gym. That's kind of how it all kind of pieces together for you and your creativity. Really, there's, you just need to be wide open. And I think uh, being creative is you just have to stay wide open as far as... You know your head is concerned you know and just be able to accept you know whatever's coming in from whatever source and uh, I'm really fortunate because I have like kind of like a second um, not a second brain but a second wheel that's going on all the time oh, nice. I've got the one I'm using right now and at the same time I'm thinking of something else right now you know in, in another way that I could easily snap to and then sometimes there's a third one as well but it's like and sometimes all that can get very confusing hey I would want that brain by the way that'd be pretty sweet <laughs> uh -huh. hey, well, what's everybody saying that'd be so you know it, it's like many times when I get really really tired which is seldom but when I do wow it's so no but it's so good because you can focus then on one thing you know what a flex that was right there, by the way. It's when I get tired, uh, which is seldom. Very seldom. But yeah. when, I, when it does that, it's such a flex right there. You know what I mean? But whenever you... I did just that. I flexed. No, no. Uh, like, I never flexed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we saw those boobs bouncing on the internet. Yeah, uh -huh. just, we saw that thing popping Ooh. off. Hard work in the gym. I mean, you talked about it. You end at 3 a.m. You start at 1.30. But the creative process and not getting tired, you would think people would you'd be worn out at this whole thing. But when you get past Stupendous and WrestleMania, how far in advance do you have to think for the WWE? What's coming? Like, Because you do. You change the game every time you get into it. And I talked about the metaverse and Mars and stuff like that. And Mars, obviously, not real. We don't know what Elon Musk is going to be up to. But like the metaverse and things like that, how much do you have to think in the future while also knowing that the current product is what is going to get you there? Like, how, how do you do that? You have to look at both constantly. You have to look at the big picture and the little picture all at the same time, constantly. Because you have, want to have an idea of where you might want to go. And you don't always know. But you, if something it makes itself available, I can fit into that. Or, nope. Or, and there's, with WWE, we can almost fit into anything because it's like we, it's in terms of, a, uh, of the way we think, in terms of the structure we have and the marketing aspect and especially our talent. Our talent, when, by the time they finish, they've graduated from, you know, they have much better than a doctoral or a bachelor's degree. Or they, they, when you graduate from WWE, you know how to do, you know how to treat people. You know, you show respect, which is one of the things that, I'm sure you've picked up on is respect is huge in everything we do. Yeah, it's big behind the scenes for everything. Everybody's right. known about it, but it right. is very real. And even, you know, from a standpoint, you know, people really don't understand how uh, in the gorilla position backstage, you know, we hug each other, shake hands, all that kind of stuff. Well, the basis of that is that I'm going to the ring to work with you, my competitor, and I want you to protect me. I don't want you to, don't drop me on my head. I don't want to be paralyzed. I don't want to be hurt for the rest of my life. I can't continue my career. You know, so it's the respect factor that you have for each other to go out there and try not to maim each other, you know, and to come back, put on a great show. You know, obviously, you know, it, it hurts, but that's okay. You know, that's, that's what you, you do. You know it's going to hurt. Yeah, you jumped off. Uh, we were just talking yeah. about a yeah. like 20-foot ledge last when Gronk wouldn't do it. You just jumped off his 70-year-old oh. or whatever. It's like, yeah, you guys are but maniacs. No, I, I only wanted to show him that, like, hey, look, it's, this, is, this is 
all it is. <laughs> yeah, we know that's what you wanted to do. Yeah, but it's just like Gronk's like top 100 tight end of all time, one of the toughest guys of all mm-hmm. time. And then Vince McMahon obviously goes, <clears throat> no, this is not it. <laughs> no, I know you're not doing that, but that's the image of the Mr. McMahon. Oh. And then you're doing it from outside in because you never talk. You leave all these things go unchecked because you can't answer everything because you got to do your work. But that's the immediate response. Like, of course, Vince McMahon would do that. Like, you are viewed by a lot of people myself before I got in and I can't reiterate this enough the amount of times that you have allowed me to chat with you and ask you questions mm-hmm. and advice is unbelievable you you actually listen to what I'm saying you give me actual answers some of them are hysterical I mean we've had some hysterical conversations over our short relationship but like the fact that you have allowed this character the Mr. McMahon character to go, everything you do is viewed through a light that you are a robot of a person and with that being said, you're just going to live forever? Is that the, is that how you no. feel as well? We all feel yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah. We all feel you're just going to live forever. You're an alien. You're a robot. Right. You're, you're one <laughs> of one. That's literally what people right. view of you. I don't know if you know that or not. My mom was 101 when she passed away. Um, that's a benchmark, but I don't know. Look, I've been hit by a bus today, and, and if I do, you know, just, I want one second before I kick to say thank you. To everybody. Everybody. Everything. For everything that has ever been done, like business, for personal, this opportunity, you know, live in this country, to you know, all of it, you know, you just want to be, you want to be thankful that you are alive and appreciate the fact that you're alive, you know. And I get sometimes uh, more out of like um, taking one big deep breath than most people do out of breathing a lifetime because they just don't understand, you know. And to have the privilege of being able to understand what all that means, you know, and not take it for granted all the time. So yeah. I think you get, get, you know, get whacked, you get whatever. Hopefully there's that at least one second I can say thanks. You know? Well, I think well, you I just, think just, just did it there. Yeah. Although we, you got 26 more years or 20, uh, 20 yeah, 26 more years. Yeah, that's yep. right. Hey, that's fucking math right there, Vince. I don't know if you need <laughs> I'm to. Hey, thank you. Thank you. You got that, obviously. But the conversation has been broached with you now. And obviously, there's a show, Secession. I don't know if you've heard of this show. Right. It's about a mega wealthy person with the family and the right. business. And there's been a lot of comparisons to the WWE. People are like, oh, this is probably what's happening behind the scenes. Right. At what point did the future of the WWE be brought to you? And were you not happy about that, like when it happened? Because then there's a conversation about it maybe not being yours afterwards. Like, did, did, was that something that ever cracked into your world? Because it is a topic of conversation outside sure, of the WWE very loudly. Right. When do you think that started? And were you pissed that that conversation even happened? And is that something you even think about? No, I, I, I don't think about it a lot. Um, hopefully, you, if you built something, hopefully you want it to continue on you know, and prosper and grow, whether that's with a family member or without a family member. Because my view is the business is is best for everybody, you know, and whether you're a part of it or you're not a part of it. And you have to treat it as such. You have to be objective, you know, and look at family members, whoever it is, just like you would other employees. And quite frankly, I probably have expected more, you know, out of my family members, which is probably not the right thing either. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but we really That's going to be a big deal right there, what you just said. You know that, though, absolutely. But, but nonetheless, it's like um, you have to do the right thing for the business. So if this person is not working out, then... I shouldn't be a part of the company. 
So whenever you think about the business, what is your overarching view back on what you have been able to build this far? You never get to do it. I know you never get to do it, but in this moment, I would like you to do it. Like you have to be, Thank you. Yeah, you have to be pretty proud, I think, right? I don't want to do what you tell me to do. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. That's on me. That's on me. That's on me. I apologize. Unless you insist in it's confrontation. <laughs> hey, by the way, I'm okay with it too. I thought we'll have a good time with it, but no, I'm just joking. But I think at some point, I hope for that one second where you get to say thank you, you get to look back and say like you know what i inspired a lot of people i changed the fucking world i changed a lot of people's lives you've employed a lot of people for every release mm -hmm. that happens people forget about who's coming in and getting pushed right. like what you have done for the world i think at some point you should say thanks and i understand you probably hear a lot of heat i know a lot of these previous conversations that have happened mm -hmm. people always want to get like the hey tell me why you made this decision that didn't work out well or this decision that worked out I think you should be celebrated more than you actually are. And I think that's mostly because I got a chance to meet you, but also because you're a dude that all of us kids that didn't grow up with money hopes that we can go get it and follow it along. So I hope you get a chance to think about that in that one second as well, since you won't do it right now, obviously. Right. All right, fuck <laughs> off. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I can't thank you enough for coming in Is here. Is the show over? Do you want it to be or no? You want to keep, the boys probably have questions. Fire away. Let's go. Go ahead, Ty. Vince, I'm curious, when you look at the state of the business right now... Before I answer your question, because I'll interrupt on occasion, um, but... <laughs> I want to I offer you something, okay? Do I need, like, a pen or something? You probably need a chair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and that's where you normally are. You know, it's like, and I know you love what we do, um, and you're a part of the team. Big, big time, and people in the organization really enjoy, and fans all over the world really enjoy you being you, you know. And I, you know, you you can't find anyone. I can't imagine back in the day Bob Costas standing up on a desk and dancing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you're you, you know, and that's why it works, you know. And uh, so w with that, it's like I I like to offer you a, an opportunity to actually wrestle at WrestleMania. Oh, it'd be a dream, boss. In the ring. Now, it's, it would be the difference, though, when you played for the Colts. It would be the difference of, like, okay, you're the punter. Okay. But now, in the ring, you're going to be a linebacker. 24 tackles in the NFL. No big deal. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be a fucking dream, obviously. And by the way, there's been a lot of chatter on the internet about me getting back into the ring and wrestling at WrestleMania. And I've had so many torn, conflicted feelings because, you know, I'm... I'm out of shape. I ain't out of shape. <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of vitamins that go into these lungs, Vince, and like the, the, the things coming up. But WrestleMania is something I've obviously stolen from you. you. By the way, back in the day, we'd go to whoever had the black box would steal WrestleMania. <laughs> uh -huh. So sorry about that. I probably owe you like seven, eight, ninety nine or something like that for that whole thing. But obviously, it is the standard at WrestleMania. I would love to. That'd be an absolute I'd love honor. To see, and we'll find some worthy opponent for you. Put you in the ring. Oh, wow. Oh, awesome. Holy shit. Hey, huh? Did you yep. see the ring when you walked by, by the I way? I did. I was impressed you have your own ring. Yeah, I got it. It looks like a standard WA ring. Well, listen, I don't know if that's how hard your rings are, but goddamn, that thing hurts. Like <laughs> <laughs> that thing hurts like hell. This is incredible, by that's the way. Awesome. Is this a real deal? I mean, are we really. No, no I don't bullshit. I don't, <laughs> I don't do that. Let's, Let's go. Here go. we go. Yeah. Hell yeah. Woo! Let's go, dude. Huh? Huh? What? 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 Hey, I got a big right hand. What? What? Big right foot. What? Wait till I bring that goddamn knee up. What? And then the millions. And millions.
Yes. The people will go banana lands when that left with the rolly on it comes from the pocket. Pow! Right in the pisser. What? Hey, that's awesome, man. I'm pretty excited. I think it'll work. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah. Vince is like, what the yeah, fuck? Well, let's go. go. You versus Taker? Jesus. Let's go. the most in the history of WrestleMania. That's not a lot of days away. I love it. Better get working. Yeah. All right. Start running. Yeah. Let's go ahead and wake him up. <laughs> wake him up. I'll be a part of that. That is an honor. And I appreciate that's that. Awesome. I really appreciate that. Can the boys ask you a couple right. questions? Hell yeah. Fire away, guys. Hey, man, that's really cool. That's yeah. awesome. I got this aura. I got this aura ring on. Right. It'll tell me my heart rate. You know, I assume whenever you're like, uh, I'd like to make an offer to you. My <laughs> shit just went right up here. I was excited. Yeah. Good. Thank Great. you so much, man. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, Thank you. That's fucking awesome. Now, I will have to handle the business side of it, of course, but that is an entire other conversation, and we'll figure it out. Go ahead, uh, Ty. When you look at the state of the business right now, do you find that it's either more difficult or easier to cultivate and like create superstars than it was maybe 10 or 20 years ago, or ultimately is it up to kind of that person to get themselves over? No, it's a team effort. You know, um, if it's a character, then you have to really be into that character and bring that character into the ring. You know, not just be a character. The audience is not going to buy that. You know, you have to really buy Undertaker, the primo example. You know, we could never break him, ever. And I tried so many times. You know, <laughs> even even on camera, taking a risk of trying to break him. You know, and to get him to smile or something. Dance, right? That was the whole dance. Could, that know? was the whole dance moment where you're uh, telling him to dance, I believe, right? Yeah, well, there's take a rooney. So yes, mm -hmm. spin a rooney yep. type thing. You know, and he was out in the state of Washington. It was after the show was over, and we're trying to do all kind of stuff like that. <laughs> no, almost got him. But you can see if you ever see that footage on the on on network, you can see the look at him. He's like he's trying not to smile, but he knows, you know. But I'm getting close to to getting him, you know. And it's just it's just he never broke character. You know, he's just, uh, for all the right reasons, just a wonderful, wonderful human being. But you, you have to, if you do have a character, you have to really, no different than acting, same thing. And our performers, the reason I call them superstars and not just wrestlers, is because anyone can wrestle, either poorly or well. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean, I said poorly, I look at you, then I didn't mean that. <laughs> I'm, I'm in WrestleMania, dude. I, I'm, yeah. I'm in WrestleMania. I don't know what to tell you. But you're right. Everybody can wrestle. So, when so it's like, do you want to be, and again, back to branding, marketing. So do you want to be a professional wrestler or do you want to be a WWE superstar? You know, WWE superstar sounds a whole lot better to me than being a professional wrestler. You know, so I think the, the quality of human beings that we have um, and, and the enormous amount of talent that they have is... Because you have to have acting talent or reacting talent. You have to have that. With, you have to have this ability to to really want to grow. Because, you know, in our environment, you you grow. You know, I believe if you're not growing, you're dying. Right. Myself. Oh. So. Put on a shirt. You, you have to have you know that desire when you come in to really want to be everything you can be, and really, if it's a character, really get into it. Be be that character when you know when you're in the ring and outside. But but. In your private life, don't be that character. You really, get all confused. A lot of people are that way. Oh, yes. that's By the way, in my eyes, and you might view this differently, I think that's when it's at its best. Like, Taker was always Taker, right? That's what everybody mm -hmm. said. He saw him in all black. He moved quietly. But then he'd get him at the bar, and he's going to shut it down. Oh, yeah. Taker's going to... Mark Calloway. But it's, it's two different things. You know, the really good ones are all in on their character, and then they're themselves, you know, after the show's over. 
Do you not think when the character is closest to the actual character of the person, it is his best? Or do you think it's like whoever can portray the best character is the best? Right. I think it's what you, what you can relate to. You know, somebody relate to Batman or whatever else it is, you know, but, but they really think they're Batman after the, you know, after trying to work with a show or something. No, it's important for your mental health, you know, to not be the character outside the ring. You talk about being on the road and the family on the road. You have to have more logged hours in planes than anybody. You, you're, you've lived a rock star life for 40 years, dude. Is that how? What do you do? Like, eating-wise? We went on the road. What do we have? We had six pizzas. Oh, oh yeah. Gained about 60 pounds 70, in six 65, 70 right. pounds. Like, right. and, Cheesecake every night. And you said you're never tired, right? You said, seldom tired. Like, that's what you said earlier. Like, how have you been able to maintain this rigorous schedule while also not completely destroying your body? Because you hear about rock stars, you hear about roadies, you hear right. about people that live on the road. You've been able to maintain energy, creative stamina, everything like that, while being on the road. Do you attribute that to anything, or, or what do you think? I don't really think about it. I mean, you work at it, you know, and you have to be discretionary. You know, it's like, it's a lot of ball players who come from nothing and now I have all this money. You know, how, how do you deal with that? That's fucking tough to deal with. You know, and you've got all other opportunities that are coming at you. Not that you went at them, you know, and they're not always good opportunities. You know, and it's like, you, and they're just coming at you in every conceivable way. It, you have to be very discretionary and you have to grow because when you're a kid, that's, that's so tough. You got to figure out what you, know, what you want, what you don't want, you know. Yeah, but you flying out here is absurd to think about. We're on the road to WrestleMania right now. We're in Miami on Friday. Madison Square Garden's on Saturday. I don't know where Monday Night Raw is. I probably should. But then you're there on SmackDown. And then we have the most stupendous WrestleMania. You fitting this into your schedule, I just assume it would be impossible. But when you're traveling, are you just working the entire time? Sure. Yes. That is, you're but just taking your entire life on the road, basically. But I'm having fun. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, okay, I'm working, yada, yada, yada. I mean, I'm having Always fun remember to have fun. It. How's that Wi-Fi on the plane? Pretty good. Huh? <laughs> That's good. Yeah. <laughs> you watch the show. Yeah, you watch the show all the time. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, when COVID first started, I think you were on a council with like a lot of the other commissioners of the major sports. Right. Was there ever a thought for you to like miss a show or anything, or did you immediately like almost have a plan ready just in case this happened? Um, I think I like to do our own thing. So. And everything's different. Look, what do the guys in the NFL do or over there? They, they do. You yeah. know, they're a little higher profile and so forth, and, and I get it. Um, but I was determined that, you know, even with this COVID stuff, that we weren't going to miss a beat. Didn't, couldn't have an audience. We never missed a show. And that's a credit to our performers as well in terms of, like, because, again, they're so they're gifted and they work hard at what they do in terms of their skills and, and so many different directions. I mean, you're, you're talking about a, an unbelievable – it's why they're superstars and not wrestlers – and they have this, this thirst for everything that it can possibly do to make them a better performer. Quite frankly, to become better human beings, you know. So uh, I, it's what I decided it was. Okay, we had this training facility, which we still have. It was smaller then, and it would keep us in a kind of like a cocoon balloon type thing. Yeah. So we tested it everything imaginable for people coming in, our people and others. Uh, to make sure it was safe. So we put on a show every week, brand new programming, you know, and uh, with no audience. That was difficult because you have to, as a performer, then you have to go, okay, I just got this shit knocked out of me. And it's like, one, 
two, three, they're reacting, and then come back. So you have to <laughs> listen to that in your head. Yeah. You know, instead of just going through the motions, if they're there, it's easy to listen to them when they're not. It's far more difficult, and it hurts, by the way, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah the adrenaline's not there. I was birthed in the uh, Thunderdome era. Yeah. I was birthed in there, so I knew nothing different. Then we went, uh, got in front of the crowd. Where were we? Fort Worth, I believe, and then the, the Cena. I mean, mm -hmm. it was just a game changer. I'm like, holy yeah. Yeah. hell, this is a game changer out here. Our audience is so much a part of, uh, of, oh, our, yes. product, of our product. You get mad. You, you say everything you think about for the audience. Steve Jobs has a quote where he's like, people don't know what they want until you show them. I assume you have to have that type of mindset when you're making decisions as well? Yes, but we have a focus group every night. And it doesn't matter what I want. It's like if I think something's going to work and you present it and there's no reaction, mm, wrong Vince. Okay? <laughs> so you immediately know, you know whether or not something's going to work. You don't know how well it's going to work, but you immediately know. It's a focus group. They tell you. And you're saying still at this point, through the Thunderdome era, what you, you probably had to rely on social then, right? Is that what it was? Social media was basically telling you through the Thunderdome era? Pretty much. Although, again, you can tell. But uh, in terms of what's happening, you've been in the business for so many years. You, you can see in the ring whether or not someone, this is working mm -hmm. or not. You know? But you, know, you, you listen to your audience no matter where it's from. You know? But sometimes the internet audience, a portion of it, can be... Relatively biased and a bit harsh. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I don't listen to any of those. Yeah, none of them. You know, um, but again, everything you do is for your product, it's for your audience. You, this is guys, you loved us because it's for your audience. What wouldn't you do for the show for your audience? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's, that's what we do. You know, and I think a lot of people probably from this conversation. And by the way, thank you for doing oh, this. Yeah, you are so cool for doing this. You I very said much that like four or five times at once. Was thank you very much, and I'm thanking you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, hey, welcome to yeah, the I'm Pat not, McAfee I'm show, not, man. I'm well, not big on the thank yous. <laughs> hey, I know you don't like the compliments. You don't like that whole thing. And uh, hey, thank you for coming. Yeah, thank man. you so much. <laughs> no, no, okay, all right, enough, enough, enough. Hey, we won't do that. But I think a lot of people are potentially hearing, you know, you as a human here, and this is a fascinating thing for a lot of. God people. forbid, I'm not here. Yeah, well, yeah, there's a lot of humility in a lot of things you're saying. Like, hey, if things are wrong, you got to do that. Alistair Black came out and told a story whenever he left about a meeting about a new song or a new entrance theme. And uh, he said that Vince said, oh, I don't understand it, but if you think it's good, you're good. I'm a 76-year-old man or something like that. Right. At what point do you think that ha that creeped in? And have you always been like that? Is that something you It wouldn't matter if I was 36. Same thing. Um, I think that you have to overcome a stereotype sometimes. You know, and that, okay... Vince is not hip or he's not with it. Or I've never been cool. I ain't give a shit about that. But, <laughs> uh, you're pretty fucking cool, dude. You were in a limo that blew up and he came back the next week. Yeah. That was yeah. pretty cool. So, um, but you listen to people and you try to give them as much creative ability as possible because it makes them more invested. If there's an idea uh, and that I really like and a performer <laughs> says, I'm not so sure I don't like that, then what's the alternative? If they have an alternative that's better, great. There's no pride of authorship. That's the way to go. Thank you very much. But you do need to, to lead. You know, you can't just wait. You know, so I guess probably what Steve was saying, you, you, my guess is, you need, you need to lead, that's for sure. You need to give, here's what I'm offering. You know, um, not buying it? Okay, here's what I'm offering. You know, so I guess that's probably what he meant because you can't dictate, you know, to the audience what they're going to like. So I don't do well with bosses. It's very well documented. It, I don't do well with bosses. It's oh. pretty well documented, right? right? I, I think that is something that a lot of people, it, it's on the internet, not in your world, but on the internet. And I think it's because 
you know, I'm not 100% sure I appreciate their brain or where they're coming from because I know some of the decisions that they've made in the past. So it's hard for me to take them serious right. when they're saying something about me and they probably don't understand me. Anyway, so, um, all right, you can fuck off. I've done that. So when I sign, <laughs> when I sign with the WWE, everybody on earth goes, I can't wait to hear how you react to Vince in your ear telling you exactly what to say, how to say it, and everything like that. And I said... I think I'm getting an incredible opportunity to get a billionaire's brain into my brain on a product that he created because I like to learn from everybody. I would like to learn from you. You in my ear is awesome. You, since the very beginning, and I don't know how or how many times you thought about not doing it, you've let me just do my, my thing. Like I am very, very pumped about that. Right. And it went against everything that was said about you. So I think you saying there that you got a lead, like yeah, it's your company, but people potentially presenting another option to mm -hmm. you and working with it, that's a massive part that never gets chatted about in the creative process, I think, well, personally. Yeah, but if if I didn't like what you were doing, then you wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true, true. But I'm not wrong. Again, to the audience, you know, if, if it's not about my personal taste. If it's not getting over, if they weren't like really like, oh, he's a fucking cool dude. I like the way he performs and yada, yada, yada. If, you know, you wouldn't be there. But, you know, you appeal to the audience. That's what we're all about. You know, you're having fun doing that. You know, and, we're, and we all have fun doing what we do, right? And you create things and what have you, and it's, it's a blast. You know, it's, it's, again, no work. It's just constant. You know, it's so fucking cool. I'm going to knock that thing over here. <laughs> I got back in. <laughs> hey, listen, listen, I know. It's like three, it's like three times now I've lightly touched it. You know? <laughs> hey, I know you got uh, big, strong mitts out there. We were trying to figure out what the proper microphone setup was going to be, by the way. We thought about a table with a stationary mic. We went with this one. What, do you think we made the right move here? It wouldn't matter. Okay. <laughs> You're knocked down either, either one of them. Brock also... Brock yeah, Brock, those are the headsets that Brock threw up into the rafter. <laughs> so cool. Hey, will you explain that guy, Brock Lesnar? What a one-of-one one that he guy really is. He really is. And an extraordinary human being. Yeah. A smart son of a bitch. Good <laughs> businessman, good businessman. Oh, my God, yeah. In general. Man. Really fucking intelligent. Yeah, absolutely. And people that, you know, again, that's that you know, misperception. You have someone that big, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah, well, it's a Neanderthal. Okay, he looks like a Neanderthal. <laughs> Smarter than you, pal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he will listen, by the way, to everything you're saying, and then he will have his own. I, I've been very, you know, I've gotten a chance to learn about Brock now at this point and chat with Brock right. off air. What a, there's another guy that I'm like asking questions for, like advice from everything. I'm sure. like, hey, can you help me in this particular situation? I love him, but the amount of superstars that have come out of the WWE, and obviously Brock gave you a lot of credit. He said on this show right there before he broke, the previous one that you're probably gonna break and then threw his headsets up there. He said, my relationship with Dana White, much different than my relationship with Vince McMahon. Right. Vince McMahon is more like a dad to me. He mm -hmm. taught me a lot of things. Now, he said there were some bad times, I made some decisions and he hindsighted it, but he views you as like a, a mentor, a father, and I think you guys still chit chat and go through that. And he gave you a lot of credit for why he's had success outside of the WWE, at the UFC. Mm -hmm. But you don't just think about, Brock is awesome. I've, I fucking love Brock. I'm very thankful for Brock. But if you go through the history of the characters that have been created in your universe, I mean, The Rock is the biggest star on earth right now. Right, yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, because he's there. Bill Goldberg, now obviously he starts at WCW, but his entire career continues and grows even more whenever the WWF and the WWE get in there. It's like these stars that get created in your universe live on forever. Do you keep in touch with all these people? Are those conversations happening still? Some. You know, um, it's not like I forget people. 
you know, I love for them to stay in touch with me. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm busy today doing this or busy, I'm going to get it, busy, um, you know, doing other things. But I don't lose contact with those individuals you mentioned, you know, some that are further down the line. You know, I, I do. You know, I, I try to have, make sure our company stays in contact with them. Um, That's a big part, right? Good graces is good business, right? Yeah, it's good business. But, you know, everyone um, helped pave the way to where we are now. And I'm always appreciative you know, ever how small that was or how big that was. Always appreciative, you know, for everyone who ever stepped in the ring, you know, and helped us to get to where we are now. That attitude era was yeah. outrageous. Hey, it was outrageous. That television was <laughs> insanity. Stone Cold Steve Austin coming down with a beer truck, oh. shooting that thing into a crowd. You, ah, Austin! <laughs> and, uh, we watched clips from the attitude. What was that like? Was it just, we're going to show up and put on the most insane show that anybody's ever seen every single night? Is that what the Attitude Era was like, the, yeah, looking back? Much. It was, again, just so much fun. <laughs> it was like, um, you being able to do this as opposed to the standards of a network and no, you can't do this and you can't say that at all. You know, So we were able to, and at that time, think about it, in the 80s, it was... It was a wild west. So we added a little extra sauce on that, you know, and just had a blast. You ate a bedpan there at one point. <laughs> right to the head. I so mean, Steve, before we're doing this, for 30 minutes, Steve is walking up and down the hallway. And I'm doing a you know, setup in terms of producing, directing, all the lighting, all that kind of shit. And, uh, and the first thing I was doing was Mick Foley with Mr. Sacco. So I, Steve's walking out here in the slide team. I said, what, what have you been doing? Well, I was wondering whether or not I should hit you in the head with bedpan. <laughs> <laughs> what a business. This is your world, by the way. Yeah, I, I know. It's a wonderful world. I mean, <laughs> there is nothing like this world. I mean, it, 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 is, it is so wonderful. Well, Mr. McMahon, I was wondering if I could hit you in the head with his bedpan. Why? It's a Texas accent. Well, he's, then he starts hitting his head with it. You know, like, I don't think it's going to hurt that much, but this is fucking thing is thick as hell. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, when it's showtime, you know, you don't even think about it. Showtime, you just lay it in, and here we go. You know, but it was that was fun. He um, he said on the show during that era, we asked him a question, and I think it was the cement in the Corvette where yeah. it blew out. And he said before the show started, he said to hand me the keys a minute, two minutes before the show started. I didn't even know how to drive it, but I fucking hit the Corvette because it's live TV. Right. Like, what is it about live that you love so oh, much? God. You're on the edge, and I've always said that nothing can go wrong because the audience doesn't know. Mm -hmm. what was supposed to happen so it's a lot of pressure though isn't it to put a live show on two times a week for 40 years yeah I know but it's so exciting you know yeah there's pressure but that's what you know that's what you do it's so exciting you know live for those moments and you know when something really great goes down it's like yes you know and it's like you've seen a gorilla you know we've done something really really good and they come back through that curtain hugging you know Mm -hmm. clapping and all that kind of stuff way to go and other times when you don't do it well, that's, not, that's a different feeling. <laughs> yeah. hey, we'll see you next week, all right? We'll see conversation you. with your son. <laughs> uh, Michael Cole, 25 years into this thing. Right. Almost. Horrible, horrible human being. Jesus, <laughs> 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 oh, no batteries, dude. Oh, my. Really, and you know that, too. Like, you know, the persona and everything is all well and good, but just a really horrible. <laughs> <laughs> So you've had, obviously, a lot different experience with him than us, but I see him 
every Friday night SmackDown. Doesn't matter if we're in Omaha, Madison Square Garden, Baltimore. When that music starts, oh, you know, the sound hits in the headphones. Right. He gets excited. He gets, like, alive. He comes alive. And he's been doing this for 24 years. You do the same. Yes, I get very pumped. This morning, when, when, before he walked out on the show, you were excited. Oh, yes. Well, you're all yeah. jacked, yes. ready to go. All yeah. you guys were. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's like, so, and you are now. It's like, this is fun. You still get excited before shows? Hell yes. Everyone? Every single one of them. Even when, like, is there some shows where you go, okay, this one's going to be interesting here. Is there any of that thought? Is there? Well, when you write it, you know, then you, you're really into it. You know, as I am in all those shows. But um, you, the vision of, you know, what it is you're, you're trying to tell, the story of it. You know, if it, if it comes out as well as you think, it's awesome. Sometimes it comes out better than you think. And sometimes all those tools and everything right there, and you're going, hmm. How could they miss that? You know what I mean? So, it's, no, it's, it's all about the audience. When they really pop and it's a surprise and things of that nature or an extraordinary move or whatever, those are moments. You know, man, they, and I got the chill bumps like everybody else. You know, it's in the audience like, holy shit. I'm doing the same thing. Holy shit. Yeah, and by the way, you are actually because I've heard you come into my ear when something awesome happens and it's like, uh, like a very like, whoa. And you're in every single show. It is unbelievable. I, I, I honestly, I've heard the stories. And I before I got into the universe, like, hey, this guy, nobody will outwork this fucking guy. And I'm like, what? I work hard. What are we even talking about? <laughs> right. I, I go, I, I work. What are we even doing? Right. You, just for all these years, what I have, like to travel, how I get exhausted from traveling and every single week and then going back and being able to be creative. You're, you bring the energy every single show. Yeah, think about our crew. Think about all the many members, you know, that do that twice a week. It's like, man. And it's, sometimes it's difficult for the corporate types to understand that because it's not done anywhere in the world. No one does. No one has, we have the largest traveling show in the world. No one understands that, nor should they ever, nor should they give a shit. All you care about is what's on the screen, you know. But there's so much of all everything goes behind. And our vast organization, our production folks are absolutely the best in the Amazing. entire world. Yeah. You know? But every guy, we've had cameramen who have been with us for, you know, 15, 20 years. We, it, it's a family, you know. And, it, man, it takes a grind. It takes a toll on you to be able to, to leave your home. You're out on the road all the time and so forth. And uh, sometimes you get home, it's not exactly... The way you left it, <laughs> because <laughs> things can get tough. But nonetheless, uh, it, it's a uh, it's it's so it's it's so extraordinary that so many people want to do this together. You know, um, and I don't look at it as a grind. I obviously look at it as a privilege, and and it is most of the time for everybody. But then again, it can be a grind. But that's all coming from leadership, right there. Because if you you know you're the leader of the group. Mm -hmm looks tired or is tired, it can almost have a ripple effect through the entire team. Nobody's going to know if I'm ever tired. Ever. No. Seldom, by the way, you said earlier. But, but why would you? I mean, because if you, it's no different corporate. I can have a really horrible phone call, a horrible meeting, okay, and now I've got 10 seconds to walk into the next room. Am I going to bring that in? No. That's really, really bad business to do that. So whatever it is you, that emotion you had there, okay, when you walk into that next room, be your normal self, smile, this and that and the other, and you may be dying and pissed off up the yin-yang. In here. In here. Oh, yeah. And there, sometimes especially. But, but, why, but why, you know, why bring that to the meeting? If you're angry or whatever it is that's, that's bugging you, right away, you know, it, it changes the entire complexion of the meeting. So what do you... 
like your leadership style? Did you watch other leaders? Did you read books? Or is it just something that came naturally to you? And how have you evolved, you think? Uh, it's moreover, um, I'm sort of a student of psychology, but street psychology. Um, Trailer park psychology. I'm uh, right. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, the kind of student I am is that um, I didn't have, my grades weren't good enough to get into college. So I've always been a horrible student. No learning skills. I'm sure I had every learning disability there was, although there were no names for them then. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I was expelled so many times for fighting and crap like that. I was in school a lot. So I didn't like school. You know, I didn't learn how to study at all. Um, so uh, I had to go to summer school to get into college. And then it took me five years going to every summer school to get back in. It took me <laughs> five years to get through a four-year credit. Easy for me to say. Curriculum. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah, East Carolina, right? Harvard of the South. Yeah, that's yeah, it. That's I went to the Harvard of West Virginia, West Virginia University. I did not graduate. Did you? I graduated. What was the major? Business administration. Oh, so that's And that's another story. So many fucking stories. So, <laughs> right. like, I, I don't have, uh, you know, I don't have the grades to graduate. I'm slightly off. So if I went from a B plus to an A minus, that would help me. So I forgot the subjects. And I wasn't going to graduate. And it was like, man. My wife at the time, my wife, uh, it, it, she went through a four-year cur curriculum and then three in three years. She's really, really smart. Well, that's two years. So, yeah, it's like, but me, it's like, no, and here we're graduating at the same time. The reason I mentioned that is because we're graduating at the same time. We're supposed to. I don't have the grades. I'm not going to graduate. What am I going to do? I'm not asking for the world. I'm not asking you give me an A when I'm, I had a D. So I found out where these two professors lived. <laughs> you know. So what are you gonna do? I've got nothing to lose. You knock on your door, knock on their door and say, hello. I'm Vince McMahon if they didn't know who I was because it was a large class. And I'd like to come in and talk to you about, you know, Business. Right. So one of them was so kind and said, absolutely. As from a B plus to an A minus, be happy to do that. Nolan was such an unbelievable asshole, didn't want to let me in his house. That's bad business. No, and I, I get it. You know, it's unusual for a student, you know, to find out where you live and knock on the door. I get that. You know, but I didn't have anything to lose. So there was a bit of confrontation and so forth, and he was going to call the cops. Call the cops. I still don't have anything to lose. <laughs> really, I don't, you know. Yeah. I'm sitting on the sofa, and I'm, I'm going to call the cops. I'm going to call them. No, call them if you want to, but then I am going to. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that microphone. Do you have another one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's a handheld right there. There's a handheld right there if you want, right there on your right. Or on your left, I guess, my right. Hey, that thing's tough, though. That microphone's been through it. Yeah. Still hear me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Better this time. So, um, again, finally, the guy did change my grade, but that's how I graduated. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I never graduate. Get out of my office. I'm calling the cops. All right, fuck it. Well, no, but really, what, what do you, you know, is his home? And I like, you know, people's homes, that's. You know, I wasn't invading his home. You know, when we tried to close the door, I didn't let him. <laughs> hey, but you graduate. Hey, college graduate. Yeah. Vincent Kennedy McLean. That's where I hey. actually happened. So I'm uh, I'm glad I did not graduate. I mean, I wish I would have potentially went to a couple houses, I guess it sounds like, but I don't know how they would have been received. I'm coming in a sleeveless and some hoodies, probably a gas mask or two. You, what? Know? you gotta do that entire thing. Go ahead, Tone. Uh, Vince, we talked about it earlier about you eating the bedpan from Stone Cold, and some of my favorite times was when you were on the screen. Did you consider yourself a WWE superstar? Because, I mean, there was a, there was a time where we all considered yourself a WWE superstar. Um, I had to become one, I mean, if I could be on the screen. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially with Steve. 
Yeah, that's that's a blast. And the funny thing is that, you know, I'm really Steve Austin, you know, uh, and <laughs> that came pretty much in terms of the concept of it, you know, and knocking your boss and this and that and the other. I get that because that's the way it was. You know, I totally understood that underdog philosophy and your boss is an asshole, you know, and things of that nature. I, I I grew up that way, knowing that. And the perception of you was that, so it's an easy transition into Mr. McMahon, I'd assume. Easy. But you're the greatest heel of all time, people say. What was that? Greatest heel of all time. Everybody was like, that guy's an asshole. Yeah. Everybody. Right. And it was... Well, the other thing, too, is when you're committing to a character, as I said before, you, you have to really get in. So you have to want people to really dislike you. I mean, you, you want people to honestly really dislike you. Yes, maybe it's pretty easy for me to do sometimes. But, <laughs> um, but when you are really into that character and you think of things that, you know, that, that motivate people and you, when you, even lying from a standpoint, it's like you know, people think I was lying when I said, like, you don't lie? Yeah. Really? You? You, you don't lie sometimes? <laughs> Ever. You know? I mean, it's like, come on, you're, any number of lies that you tell every day, little ones, sometimes they're big ones and what have you, um, but nonetheless, it's like it's things, topics like that that people can relate to. And being able to, you know, to match the emotional buttons and to get a reaction like that, man, that is a thrill. You loved it. So whenever you went to Performer almost on your own show, it was a game check even more so. Like, hey, I love this. Because you were a commentator. Right. Long time. Hey, right. I'm going to be the uh -huh. voice of my product, okay? Right. My show, this is how I would like to go. I'm going to, by the way. One of the greatest commentators of all time as well. Congratulations on that in your own business that you created. Obviously, that's going to happen. But from that to the performer to being hated by everybody, that just brought a whole new level of fun and thrill to the business that you're already in? Absolutely. The difficulty, though, is um, when you're performing, then you can't produce and direct. That's so difficult because you have to commit so much into that performance. You know, and I'm much rather being on the other side of the camera. You know, that's where all of the action is, you know. And you can live vicariously through every single character that walks out there, you know, and whether or not they're doing it well or whatever. You know, if you yourself are the character, it takes so much emphasis to be able just to do that well, then I miss out and everyone else does as well in terms of me directing them and producing and so forth. So it, it's, it's difficult to do, it really is. You saying that you're Steve Austin or whatever is uh, so hilarious because when I did that middle management promo, there was a big ha, 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 ha in my ear <laughs> afterwards, which I absolutely um, loved. You blew your quads out running down to the ring. And uh, is there any other injuries that we haven't heard about that you've gone through through your body? Uh, actually, you've blown the left one out twice, but that, that was very <laughs> unique. Not too many people can, you know, sever, you know, the quad tendons. <laughs> At the same time, <laughs> <laughs> that, that takes talent. <laughs> Put it on the resume. All right. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you, you, you have no use of your legs at all. <laughs> no, I mean, you, when, when you sever your quad tendons, and again, both of them at the same time, it's like you. There's no. You can't walk. You can't stand. You can't anything. You know. It's just you. So you have to learn how to walk all over again. Yeah, rehab. You have to learn that rehab is you know so important when you do all that. And it's like if you go too fast, then that's not good either. You know, I like to push myself as, as hard as I can, but you can't go too fast. So in any event, things like that, um, I've had all kind of neck surgery. I've had tricep surgery. God, I can't think of all the damn things I've had. Um, uh, sternum, back surgery. Sternum spine? Yeah, that. Um, 
What's this all from? Just like, hey, walking around in your Corvette? What, what is, this all, <laughs> is this from bedpans to the bed? What is all the injuries from? It's a combination of a lot of things. Because you still remain. I mean, we videos hit the internet of you squatting. Yeah, yeah. You're you're still. I don't know if you're in the shark pit or if the bar, the one that I saw, but you're still squatting like weekly. I think you're still putting a bar on your mm -hmm. back. I don't always do a thousand pounds, but we do that like uh, a thousand pounds. Is that how much it was? Mm -hmm. that, no, was that was not, not like, like a, a joke right there. No, it was eleven plates on each side. You can. And, and it's tough a thousand. Oh, <laughs> uh, but um, but you can. But they're hanging. That way. microphone could not put 11 on each side. No, that no, soft no. ass microphone right there. So, at any event, um, we, do, we only do that once a month because you don't want to press too much. But now, um, as soon as WrestleMania is over, then okay, now I can go have fun with it and, and really load up. Yeah, your trainer, I see him around. He he's a great guy, Mike. Yoked. He's a terrific guy, wonderful human being. Hey, you got an entire crew of people. You said the team. Like, obviously, I've gotten a chance to meet Bruce and KD and the entire backstage, Frenchie, everybody right. that's in my right. ear. The people that have been around for so long that have helped you do this, all incredible people. Even though the internet says a lot of shit, like, <laughs> I've enjoyed the hell out of meeting right. everybody. They're so professional. Yeah, they're really professional and good, all quality human beings. That's important to have really good people around you. Very important. Hey, Michael, good guy. Mm. Wow. Michael Cole's a good guy. That's your opinion. <laughs> uh, and I don't know, you don't want to hear this, but uh, hey, you're a good guy too, dude. And the reason why, in this latest version of why you're a good guy, you flew all the way out here mm -hmm. for this conversation. Yeah, but I was late. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I mean, but I don't want to apologize for things. Like don't do that. You know, if, if you're late for a meeting or you're late, there's got to be a really good reason why you were. You know, so walking in and apologize, I'm sorry I'm late, kind of like thing. It doesn't mean anything to people. <laughs> so, it doesn't. Don't That's apologize. real. There had to be a reason you're late right now. Of so, course. like, so listen. I don't want to walk in. I apologize, guys. And then the next thing people want to say is tell you why. I apologize. I'm late because I had a flat tire. I'm like, I don't give a fuck what you <laughs> You're late. So, at least when you, if you're late, Look as good as you possibly can, because if you're late and you look like shit, uh, that's a double negative. <laughs> that was a long night there. That was a long night there. And I love how much you enjoy the rips in my pants. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You like those right there, Vince? A little hole in the leg. Like, show off the hammy, you know, a little bit of the quad. You love my fashion, right? That was the biggest thing that you said. You know, I like the way this guy fashion? Yeah, my fashion, my fashion. That looks good on you. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we've talked, he has looked at what I'm wearing. <laughs> but the story about my WrestleMania moment before you... And by the way, there's a couple, like, 10, 15 minutes of this conversation that I don't remember at all because you offered me a WrestleMania match, which is so incredibly cool. And the entire internet thought I was going to have a match uh, at WrestleMania. And I've obviously been an incredible year. It's a dream come true. So I was a little bit, a little bit lost there. But every conversation I've had with you, you've been so cool and so nice. And you've talked about, you know, my pants. And if you go back to my original WrestleMania moment, first of all, we blew the roof off an RV outside of the yeah. MetLife Stadium while we were there. Oh. You probably heard about it. The cops weren't happy. It was an entire scene. But I had shorts on. I had my tuxedo shorts on that I actually got tailored, which I don't do often. Got these things tailored. And then I had a nice sport or nice uh, tuxedo top. I looked good. And Michael Cole and a couple others wanted to kick me off WrestleMania. It's my first time there. And I'm like, at this point, had good money in my life, had a business, did this whole entire thing. I was just pumped to be in the WWE. And, uh, you know, there was an entire thing about my goddamn shorts like 45 minutes before we go live. And, I'm, you know, people talk to me, and I go, oh, fuck you then. I won't go on. I don't care. And I just leave. I'm like, all right, I'll just, all right, I won't go on. Then. If that's the case, like, no big deal. I'll get out of here, do your thing. And you, 
literally, you didn't know who the fuck I was at that point. I don't think you had any idea who I was. Uh, I think you said, I appreciate that he wore those and I respect it or something like that. And I think you added the word hip or something to it. <laughs> and then I did it. You have been so genuine and cool to me through my entire relationship. And the fact that you came here, man, we will remember and cherish forever. Thank no, you for everything you've done you. for me. I appreciate I've that. I've enjoyed this, guys. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, the chairman of the WWE, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Yeah! All right. Try to win some tickets. Hashtag PMS Seat Geek Mania. Take a screenshot. Go ahead and bounce around. Hey, they're going to get a shot on you right now if you want to smile. I know. <laughs> uh, go ahead and tweet hashtag PMSC Geek Mania. We're going to give away two uh, pairs of tickets in the lower section at the most stupendous WrestleMania in the history of WrestleMania. I'm coming to watch you work. Well, now, I yeah, guess, right, huh? Right. Hey. Hell yeah. Two. Hey. Listen. I'm already tired. How many days do we got? How many days do we got? 30. 30. That is a problem. We're going to have to expedite that whole process. I appreciate you. I'm thankful for you. We will see you all tomorrow for a Feel Good Friday. We're live 11 to 1 here at YouTube.com forward slash the Pat McAfee Show because the flight to Miami is long. Hey, that's way the fuck down there, Vince. That's a long flight down to Miami tomorrow night. It's no big deal. More business in the plane. There you go. Oh, that's what I need to start thinking about. Business in the plane. Be smarter. Right. All right, I'll start that next week because this, I'm, I'm, this time I'm going to celebrate. I'm in fucking WrestleMania. <laughs> Hell yeah. We'll see you tomorrow, 11 a.m. Vince, thank you so much. This is the greatest show we've yep. ever had. Cheers. Yep. Thank you. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So with that, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, that was a fantastic, a fantastic interview uh, that Pat McAfee did with Vince McMahon. And um, I learned a lot. Uh, I really, really, um, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, that was like super, super good. Um, and the questions that, Pat was asking Vince McMahon and you could hear his passion. Um, you can definitely see he's a fan and really holds Vince in like really high regard. And that's very inspiring for, for me because I tend, I can't say I tend, I, I do want to start interviewing, uh, you know, my friends who are wrestlers uh, just because it's a little bit more easier. I do know them on like a certain level, um, and just the way that everything flowed with um, Vince and uh, Pat McAfee's uh, questions and everything like that, like that was truly one of the best interviews that like I've heard and listened to and had so much fun with it. Um, you know, I even was tweeting out certain quotes from Vince. Again, guys, if you're not following me on Twitter, at Marie underscore shadows, you can definitely follow me there and also follow the Square Circle podcast and stuff. And yeah, Kenny, that was a great interview. Um, there was a lot of laughs. There was a lot of learning lessons. There's a lot of things that both Vince and I agree on when it comes to the business, um, which is not to really say that I don't mind like new age thinking. And I would think if we need like categories AEW will be in that new age thinking while Vince will still be in the mindset of making it a spectacle, making it, you know, 
uh, superstar driven type of uh, product like he normally does and everything that he was saying. And he's 100% right about like, you know, building your character, making sure that you are that character. And when the cameras are on and they're rolling, make sure that you're in character. It's cool that wrestlers want to play themselves. But sometimes, like I was saying in like one of the other live streams, you can't always get yourself over if nothing in your personality is going to be connecting with the fans. You have to connect with the fans. Like they're your number one priority because they're going to come to the shows. They're going to buy your merch. They're going to talk to you. They're going to go to the meet and greets. They're going to be like, Hey, can I get your autograph? If you're not necessarily doing that, if your character is not doing that, if your personality is not doing that, you don't necessarily want like fans coming over for like sympathy wise, just because of like, you know, yeah, it feels good, but like it's out of sympathy, you know? You rather have fans that go to you because they believe in you and they believe in your message, they believe in your character, and on some type of level, they kind of connect with you. There's a reason why I put over a lot of New Japan guys, um, and I can put over some AEW guys, but AEW needs to work on, you know, their character building and like, you know, being consistent. With their characters. Uh, WWE is a whole nother ball game where like, you know, I appreciate everyone that works in WWE um, from the wrestlers to everyone else. I mean, I was there too. And I even can hear it in the voices when I was talking to certain people, um, you know, while I was, while I had downtime uh, during my lunch breaks, uh, I would definitely like talk to the production crew, talk to other people. And you could definitely hear that they were, passionate so like you know i do put people over i don't know where i was going with that point but it's just the idea of after watching this uh interview and you guys uh being here and just listening along with me um you know there's a lot of lessons to unpack uh every well every good quote that vince said is a lot to unpack there and of course i know that sometimes people would you know be on twitter and be like uh you know pat mcafee is not going to ask him the really hard questions and stuff but it's like half of me is like why would you want to put vince on the spot like that versus you know getting to pick his brain right because the biggest thing is um the biggest takeaway is uh, when he was talking about, like, you know, get rid of, you know, to get rid of dead weight. Um, you know, obviously, they probably could have went into a little bit more detail about that, about, you know, what really, uh, what boils down to them releasing so many wrestlers that we've seen during the pandemic. Like, was it a combination of, you know, low merch sales, low ticket sales? Uh, you didn't like, you honestly didn't have anything for them with creative. Um, you know, like I would have probably, uh, pressed a little bit more about like, how do you go about making those decisions? And you could tell it's all business and it's always been all business. Um, you know, it's never like a personal thing unless maybe you get into some type of back and forth thing, but you know, it's always been about business. And if they feel like they can't, uh, do anything creative with you, you know, they'll just let you go. However, I know somebody will counter and be like, well, what about Mustafa Ali? I really do think they're like repackaging him and um, waiting for the right time for him to come back. 
Um, because by by this time it's a little too concerning that he's been asking for his release and he's been putting up training videos and yet then he's still on the roster. He's still getting paid. Um, and he's doing all of this and, you know, whether Vince sees it or not, or Nick Khan, you know, they haven't let him go. So now I'm just really thinking that they're, they're just biding their time. Um, and that's about it. Uh, they're, they're just waiting and he's going to come back as a, like, a new character or something because to keep him there as long as um for this amount of time and then for having uh the um the fans tweet out you know uh free Ali and nothing has happened you know no rumblings uh not even like journalists are like trying to reach out to Ali and be like hey do you want to come and do an interview like I don't know why people aren't doing that so now I'm just thinking it's a work like I don't know. Wrestling journalists seem to like pick and choose what news to give us rather than just being like unbiased all the way through and sort of like, um, you know, doing what they can, asking for interviews here and there. If this really was a huge disservice uh, to, uh, to Mustafa Ali and because the free Ali has been trending I just don't understand why no journalist has reached out to Ali to be like, hey, let's have an interview. You know, like what's really going on? I know you have to probably go through protocols with WWE to, you know, get certain WWE wrestlers on the show and stuff like that. But if you're a really good journalist and you really want to help out, you know, to help free Ali, I think that's the best course of action for you guys to do so. But, you know, I'm just saying... Uh, Kenny says Vince made a great point when he said you could be a wrestler or it, or an entertainer. And I think that's where the separation is. Yeah. Um, that point. That's a very great point. Um, only because like, um, I sort of. You could feel it, right? You could feel it in WWE. You could feel that there's the entertainment aspect of it because they do a lot of like entertainment uh segments and then they mix in the wrestling. So like I would think with WWE wrestling is sort of secondary depending on who you have in the segment that they want to showcase. And then you have companies like AEW who just want to focus on wrestling, which is all good, but you have to give me story. At least you have to give me stories that make sense for me to be invested as to why these two guys are fighting, especially when you're on cable, when you're on national television and uh, dynamite and rampage can be seen to millions of people at home after they come home from work. Right? So like, it's a little bit different when you as a fan go to like indie shows Indie shows will have their, you know, stories here and there. It may not be as heavily storied as WWE and the occasional AEW and then New Japan. Um, but in indies, you expect a lot of wrestling. Like, I'm already desensitized that, you know, I've been to so many indie shows. I helped out behind the scenes with indie shows and it's all about wrestling. They move on to the next match. Sometimes they have story. Sometimes they don't have story. And, you know, I'm so used to it that when, you know, AEW comes around and people are like, oh, this is the best AEW Dynamite episode ever. I'm like, 
you guys never really went to an indie show or or even at least like five indie shows in your local area and it kind of shows. So there goes that separation and there goes that uh, disconnect, um, you know, as well. So basically, yeah, like um, that's like the that's like one of the biggest points that Vince was trying to make that you can either be a wrestler or be an entertainer. And honestly, there there is no right or wrong because sometimes uh, people uh, fit better into the different categories. So like, for example, um, I'm supposed to be uh, writing up a review for uh, Lions War Episode 5, which is the New Japan pro wrestling series over on New Japan World that takes a look into the New Japan dojo system via uh, the Fale Dojo. And there is uh, one specific character uh, on that team um, of trainees or intakes uh, goes by Will Arville. I probably mispronounced his last name wrong. But he's such a charismatic person that he will be better for WWE. And he, he could be okay for New Japan. It'll be interesting. It'll be something different um, just because, you know, in New Japan, we have Hiromu and Hiromu is um, very, I don't want to say flamboyant. I guess he's flamboyant. He's very colorful. He's very loud. He's a good entertainer as well as a fantastic wrestler. And then we have Juice Robinson who like does whatever the fuck he wants, says whatever he wants. He's colorful too. But I really think that after watching episode five, and um, Will gave us a promo. Uh, the promo that he did, I was just like, this is exactly, exactly for WWE. Um, he fits better the WWE style just based on his mini story that they tell on the documentary series. And, um, you know, he's he fits better for WWE. He doesn't fit for the New Japan uh, system. And that's not me saying that, like, he can't do it. He can if he puts his mind to it. But it's going to take him a lot more effort and a lot more time and uh, training to get that style in uh, for the way that New Japan wants the guys to be. Um, and if they trust you enough to be your own person. Um, sometimes, you know, having a personality like that doesn't sit well with others and it might rub them the wrong way. So that's... A, there's. That's my reasoning for why he would be better for like WWE. And sometimes I could point that out of like, you know, maybe this wrestler would be more suited for the entertainment aspect rather than like wrestler first type of thing. Um, uh, Kenny also said, because you could go all around the world and beat your body up and be one of the best or be a great entertainer and make millions. Yeah. Um, oh, give me a second. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, uh, it's always been that way. Um, you know, if you want to, you know, put your body through pain and stuff, uh, you may end up making millions anyway, but you might have to go a route that's a little bit different. You could always like negotiate your pay depending on your value and your status in, in wrestling. Um, you know, so like if you're 
a decent name, you'll probably be good and you should have like good saving money skills. Um, and then, you know, if you just want the entertainment aspect where you still get to travel around the world, wrestle here and there and do a lot of media and just be around a lot of, you know, good people, you go to WWE, you go be an entertainer. Um, but again, there is no right or wrong. There's a lot of, you know, fights on Twitter where like, you know, if they're an entertainer or they're in WWE, they're not as good as, you know, someone who's just a pure wrestler. And, you know, it depends. It depends because sometimes I look at it from a character standpoint of like, you know, um, the characters should come across as, you know, how can I say this? Uh, the characters in WWE, depending on what they're doing, should come across as natural, should come across as, you know, not cookie cutter in a way, but sometimes we can see right through it. Um, and then, you know, I just think that we shouldn't really be fighting on the timeline about like, just because one person is entertainer doesn't mean they can't be a wrestler. Every single wrestler goes through the schools. They go through the training. Everyone learns the basics, the fundamentals, um, you know, uh, the bumps, the rolls, the running the ropes, the cardio. Everyone is a wrestler when they start out. It just depends on, you know, what they like more. Sometimes people are more attracted to being, you know, part of a theater, part of a play rather than being a movie star. So why are we not, you know, complaining about the differences between an actor versus a theater um, person. You know, technically they're both actors and actresses because they're, they're still performing in front of, you know, an audience, whether that is watching it in like a movie theater or watching it live in a like a play theater. Um, but we don't really have those conversations about um, movie actors and actresses versus theater actors and actresses and they do the same shit it's the same thing with, with professional wrestling you have your actual wrestlers and then you have your entertainers they're not wrong they're not right they just decide to pick different sides um so i think like in the community we need to like stop with the um you know oh you know this wrestler is not as good as this wrestler like if you allow that wwe wrestler to take on the pro wrestler of like, I don't know, AEW or New Japan Pro Wrestling or Impact or MOW, like you're going to get a really good match. It might have some elements of like the easy shit that you see on WWE only because you got to feel for the crowd. You know, you got to bring them in. You can't just hit all your moves and think like, you know, that's it. You know, you, you're going to, you're going to run out of stuff. You got to, you know, make sure that the match is as good as, you know, the entertainment and that the fans are captivated. If you're not captivating the fans, they're like, what's the point of it? So, like, you know, your sports entertainer can do the same thing that your wrestler can do, if that makes any sense. Um, but, yeah. Um, that was the best, um, that was the best interview and I am really, really glad that Kenny was here to join me, um, and other people were here to join me, whether you were lurking or anything like that. 
Um, I really do appreciate it. Um, you know, we'll figure out if this is going to go up on any of my social media stuff, especially like my anchor or YouTube. I don't know if I should probably say that, but you know, the more eyes on, you know, the Pat McAfee show and Vince, you know, being a human being, um, and just talking and, you know, telling us stories from high school and other things and just really digging into his mind about like, you know, how he, you know, got the sports entertainment name and then all this kind of stuff. Um, yep. Um, I really do appreciate you being here, Kenny. I really do. Um, for anyone that's watching this on the replay, I am trying to hit my follower goal of 50 followers. Um, that helps me get Twitch um, partner. I'm sorry. See, my brain is going too far into the future. One day I want to get partner. One day I do. But right now it is Twitch affiliate. That is what I meant. Um, so if you are watching this on the replay, uh, make sure to hit that uh, follow button. Um, so I'll say it here. I have been thinking about... Uh, going live uh, for the weekend. Uh, we could definitely talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. The New Japan Cup just started uh, on March 2nd with the first round. Um, those matches were fucking great. I have an article up over at ko-fi.com forward slash Marie underscore shadows where you can... Um, where you can definitely read the article... And if you want the in-depth analysis of each match, those will obviously have to be paid because, you know, I put out a lot of free content um, and I have no backing. It is all me. The Square Circle Podcast is a one-woman show. So if you want to support um, in that way, it will just be a one-time no commitment of $3. The good thing about Kofi is, or coffee, is that they allow... Um, you to just make a one-time purchase. You have no commitment to me at all. If you just want to support me with a simple $3, you could do that. If you want to take the monthly route, you could do that too. It's not like Patreon where Patreon ties you down to it's this or that and then nothing else. With with coffee, it is basically you could get this or you could get that and then no and then no commitments or you could get both. Like Coffee gives you a lot of options. I give you a lot of options because I understand that everyone out there is struggling at one point or another. But this is basically me um, trying to cover all professional wrestling. And that includes New Japan Pro Wrestling, maybe AEW whenever like Jay White shows up because Jay White is wrestling's number one asset. And then, you know, covering whatever Tama does if he's going to be burning down the world because of uh, the Bullet Club drama and getting backstabbed by Bullet Club. And so I got to follow their journeys, right? I got to cover professional wrestling. And I covered something of WWE, which is a little bit unheard of um, just because. But this interview was, you know, very more entertaining, groundbreaking, and definitely better than, you know, Tony Khan doing his announcements. Um, I will come on the live stream to, well, the next time I will come on the live stream to talk about my feelings and ideas about, you know, Tony Khan purchasing Ring of Honor. It's still early. I'm still trying to process it. You know, I, I really am. Um, so yeah. And then also, uh, we will be doing some live streams surrounding the New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Spirits mobile game. If you guys have not been watching New Japan World, 
Um, so on March 2nd, uh, during the first round of the New Japan Cup, before they started, they had a ribbon cutting ceremony and Tanahashi threw his hat, um, well, his name in the hat for being the new PR guy, um, and trying to kick out Naito, right? Cause I, I'm so bad with names, but, um, one of the other Japanese management guys, uh, who is probably PR for the game and everything else, uh, like the ambassador and stuff. Uh, so Tanahashi, um, you know, asked if he can, you know, be the new uh, PR guy and like kick out Naito. And, you know, I was like, maybe I should probably throw my name in there if I uh, continue to showcase uh, the New Japan Strong Spirits game. Because uh, I did, but I did it the really weird way where... Uh, I took my phone and I was like, here, look, right? That's not, that's not helpful. That's not really a good live stream. Um, so I found uh, a program so where I can live stream um, and show off the game. And I, like Japan, when it comes to gaming, um, they really do innovative stuff. There's probably going to be like maybe a lot of gamers out there if they hear this. Um, that will probably say that I'm wrong and that, you know, it's Xbox and PlayStation for the win. No, it's always Japan for the win for their games. Like, the beauty of this mobile game is really breathtaking. Um, the way that they decided to do the matches and the workouts and just learning about the New Japan wrestlers um, is great from start to finish. Like, it's really, really beautiful. It's really immersive. And, you know, I wouldn't mind being a ambassador or spokesperson for the New Japan uh, Strong Spirits game. So, you know, hopefully we could get that partnership going and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's what I really want to do. I really hope that it can happen one day. Um, all right. Kenny says he's going to head out. He wishes me a very good day. Um Oh, awesome. You put my show on host. That's so great, man. Um, I really do appreciate you, Kenny. Uh, we'll talk soon. Enjoy your day as well. And uh, thank you for the support, man. I truly, truly, truly like love it. Thanks for being here. Um, but yeah, um, hopefully uh, one day I get to, you know, do a lot of things uh, with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling um, just because that's one of my favorite uh companies to like review talk about um and just have on my podcast and my live streams and after uh downloading the game of strong spirits it's really a good a really good mobile game it's very different it's not like any other mobile game that i've seen um and that there's a lot more other mobile games that i want to introduce that are wrestling based and have it on the live stream now that i have the program to actually, um, you know, uh, play it. Uh, so basically that's, what's going to be happening. So this weekend, um, expect some more live streams, uh, come on through. Um, we could chat about new Japan pro wrestling. We could chat about, you know, AEW, um, MOW, which I still have to get caught up and do podcast episodes for that. I'm just really now in deep with new Japan and the storylines, but MOW, I did not forget you guys. I love you guys too. You guys are amazing. Um, and then Impact Wrestling, uh, I will talk about as well. Um, but yeah, also tonight, 
I will be on the Bammer Slammer Wrestling Podcast, and I will be going over um, AEW uh, Revolution predictions with Bama and the crew. So make sure you check that out. It's going to be right here on Twitch. Um, give me a second. I want to get uh, the damn name right. Uh, hold on. And don't you guys there be like, Oh, how do how do I not know? Um, you know. Let me see. I don't want to say the wrong thing, and then you guys are like, okay. So, all right. So it is going to be. You can find me at 9 p.m. over at twitch.tv forward slash smack raw. And those guys are super fun to hang out with. So, you know, if you enjoy my wrestling takes here. Um, if you enjoy what I have to say about wrestling in general, uh, head over to twitch.tv forward slash smacked raw, um, at 9 PM, uh, where you get to hear, you know, me talk about AEW revolution and why some of these guys need to take some lessons from Vince McMahon himself. Like they really, they really do. If they're not going to listen to me, at least they can listen to Vince. Right. Um, so I love what I do. There is no doubt about that. Um, you know, that was a really great, inspiring interview for me to watch. Um, just because I want to get back into uh, working for another company, uh, for anyone that's tuning in now or, um, you know, tuning in later. Yes, I did work for WWE for a short time. And, you know, I loved every second of it, um, you know, and it was really great. And no one could take that away from me. And I'm going to scream it to, you know, the mountaintops and everything about, uh, you know, me working there and me just uh, living the dream, accomplishing my seven-year-old dream of working for WWE and trying to use that plus me working on the indies, helping out my boys. Some of my boys have shown up on my vlog, which you can go over to youtube.com, follow that Square Circle Podcast to go watch it over there. And yeah, it's just been one hell of a ride. And all I want to do is be back in a company and help a company out, help the boys out, do backstage interviews, do commentary. I do have a commentary playlist over on YouTube uh, that you guys could check out and share and just let the world know that, um, you know, I'm looking for work to be on the commentary table. I could do like remote stuff, uh, but I do need to put up more and new, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, commentary videos. Uh, but I really do appreciate everyone's support. I really do appreciate it. So again, the quickest way to support me is at ko-fi.com forward slash Marie underscore shadows for all your new Japan, uh, coverage and for any updates on when I go live, uh, you know, make sure to keep an eye on my Twitter at Marie underscore shadows. And I will definitely be having a write-up and more deeper thoughts on this whole entire interview that Vince McMahon did with Pat McAfee. And yes, uh, Vince McMahon does deserve a huge thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. This is a special one where we did a listen along with uh, the Pat McAfee show, having Vince McMahon on his show with a great interview I am Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.